This is a Vision Australia radio podcast. Hello and welcome to Vision Extra, coming to you from Vision Australia Radio. Peter Greco with you, and we're delighted to welcome the program from the Centre for Eye Research, Associate Professor Heather Mack. Heather, if I call you that, uh, thank you so much for your time and welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Peter. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Now, you are doing work in the area of uh, inherited retinal diseases, and you've done a survey recently, which is, uh, I guess, understandably, uh, come up with some rather interesting findings. Yes. So um, we surveyed 681 people, Australian people, with IRD, and we asked them about their knowledge and their views about gene therapy. And since gene therapy is on the horizon, and hopefully they'll be offered gene therapy over the next several years. Why did you do this survey? What was kind of the, the main force behind this? The main force is that Gene therapy is is upon us, and in fact, for one of the rarer causes of IRD, one of the forms of labor congenital amaurosis, gene therapy has been developed and approved all around the world, approved in Australia, and people with this condition have been treated in Australia. So as I say, that's one gene, there are 300 or more to go, so we're hoping that gene therapies for the other other genetic disorders will be developed in the near future and offered to our patients. Now, I guess a lot of people that might have an IRD, if you like, would know, but um, for uh, those that might not, can you give us some examples of what an inherited retinal disease might be? Well, the most common inherited retinal disease people would be familiar with would be retinitis pigmentosa. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a condition where the rod photoreceptors that were primarily in the dark, um, become affected. And then later on, the cones that were primarily in the light. And there are other variations. So some people, a fewer number of people have a so-called cone rod dystrophy the other way around, where they first have problems in the light. And uh, we have another group of people who have just macular involvement. So Fortunately, they've retained their peripheral vision, but their central vision um, declines over time. The commonest example of this would be um, Stargardt macular dystrophy or best macular dystrophy. Now, generally speaking, with these kind of diseases, if you like, and as I say, generalising, they tend to be degenerative. In other words, um, sort of the older you get, the worse your sight gets uh, without putting it too, too, <laughs> too unpleasantly. Well, with over 300 genes involved in, involved in this, there's a huge amount of variation. So some of the conditions uh, we even think are stationary or change very slowly over time, but others do change really rapidly over time, X-linked RP being a prime example of that. Mm. So a lot of variability. So I guess one of the things is that, um, you know, in the past, if you were diagnosed with one of these diseases, conditions, if you like, it was kind of like, well, you know, you've been diagnosed with it. There's probably not much we can do. Uh, Go on and live your life the best you can. Well, uh, I'd like to say that we offer them supportive eye care. So, for example, if they required cataract surgery. (laughs) Well, also, you're neglecting the Vision Australia services, which are really a great thing. We've helped a lot of people with uh, IRD. 
But it's yeah. so there was a, where it was and is a lot that we can do to support the pop, this population of people. But as to direct therapy mm-hmm. to slow it down, uh, not much so far. And that's where gene therapy comes up. That's where gene therapy comes in. And now with the survey that you did, um, I'm not sure it's probably reflective of 2022, Heather, but a number of people got their information from the internet uh, rather than, say, from their ophthalmologist? Yeah, I think that's reflective of 2022. So 49%, so half of uh, the people got their information from the internet and only about one-third from their ophthalmologist. And I guess from a... Uh, an associate professor, ophthalmologist, a specialist who's worked uh, a lifetime in this area. That's probably, uh, the internet's probably good, but not the best way to get your information. Oh, it's a little disappointing. Uh, speaking as an ophthalmologist, we would have liked that that um, the people with the IRD got information from their ophthalmologists. But mm. as you say, you have to be realistic. And um, Dr. Google, and uh, Dr. Google <laughs> ophthalmologist really is uh, widely used source of information. So one of the other concerns that people had understandably was um, the cost of gene therapy and also maybe its side effects, which again, I guess could be totally understandable. Yeah. So um, 60% of people thought that there was a barrier of one kind or another. And uh, as you point out, about uh, 30% were out-of-pocket costs and about another 30% um, side effects. But a high percentage are kind of prepared, uh, all things being equal to to try it or to, uh, to you know, to, to be a candidate for a gene therapy, uh, gene therapy, therapy, if I can put it that way. Yeah, well, 90, 92% of the people who responded to our survey, so they might be actually a bit biased, but 92% say that if it became available for their condition, they'd be very interested. Now, we've been speaking to people from Sarah for a number of years, you, you and your uh, Colleagues do some amazing work, and I guess the willingness of uh, people to be um, involved with research is so, so important because I guess without them, uh, you know, tomorrow doesn't happen, if you like. Yeah, and it's also very important to do what we're doing. So we need to be developing the therapies, but in a parallel track, we need to be working out what our patients understand about the therapies that we're developing and uh, filling in the education gaps that they have so that if they're offered one of the therapies, that they're in an educated position to make a decision whether they'd like to receive the treatment or not. And your survey uh, revealed some interesting findings in that area too, as far as what people thought they understood about gene therapy. Well, yes, so there's a discrepancy. So in that we have 92% of people are very, very keen and they would have the therapy, but only about one-third of them said that they had a good understanding of what it actually meant. So what does that mean for this now going forward, Heather? You talked about uh, the reasons for doing this surveys because uh, you know, gene therapy, uh, I guess it's uh, its implementation, if I can call it that, is, is sort of... Uh, very much on the on the near horizon, if I can put it that way. Well, it showed us that uh, there's what they call an education gap. So it's it's going to be very important going forward to educate both the potential recipients of therapy, but also eye care providers. Both groups need education so that in the end, our people who might receive this therapy are in the best position to make a considered 
considered response to an offer of treatment. What about in more sort of general terms? I guess the internet is kind of a form of media, but uh, I'm often intrigued, you know, when you see a story on the news and uh, they talk about, you know, breakthroughs in whatever area it might be. And then sort of the last line is, um, uh, all being well, uh, this treatment might be available in five years' time. Uh, Does the media have to play a bit of a role in perhaps, you know, moderating or um, being a bit more realistic about the the sort of headline and and then um, digging deep into the the sort of uh, bulk of the story or the the sort of nub of the story? I think the organisations have different roles to play. I think the media does have a role to play in in alerting the population that uh, progress is happening. But we can't really expect the media to give the really detailed education. Mm. And I, I actually want to call out the patient support groups who were really very helpful in um, helping us with the survey. I think there's a great role for patient support groups to continue edu- educating their members. And I think that's a more appropriate forum than expecting the front page of their age to educate people on gene therapy. That's probably a very fair comment. Heather, uh, we're sort of rapidly rounding out of time, but uh, reading a little bit about you, uh, you've been involved with this research for a long time, not that you're old, but uh, what sort of sparked your interest way back? Why did you choose this kind of area of uh, research and uh, and work? Yeah, well, we're, to- we're going back to the 90s here. Um, I remember when, those, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> not, of all, not all of our listeners do. No, but, um, Don't say that quietly. Uh, you make me feel old. <laughs> back in the 90s, uh, molecular biology was this hot, hot new topic. And uh, the uh, development that really spiked my interest was that uh, if, you could, if you could find a gene responsible for something, say, in a frog or a mouse, you could just look for it and you would find its homologue in the human. So by using the information in the sort of um, lower, lower uh, mammals and vertebrates, you could suddenly fast forward and have a lot of information about humans and, in my case, eye development. So mm. I did a PhD um, learning molecular biology techniques all about eye development, which is really actually all about retinal um, development and um, development of vision. So I did that back in the 90s, so excited with molecular biology. And then I followed up, I did a clinical about placement with um, Elliot Burson in uh, in Boston. So yeah. go back to the 70s, 80s and 90s and Elliot was like the global leader leader in the field and he, he had an international um, practice and he really led the field intellectually for 30 years. So I did a clinical placement from with him and then returned to Australia. And you've done uh, some amazing work in Australia as well. Well, I had to wait a little bit for the technology to catch up with me because um, back with Elliot Burson, the electroretinography equipment, you know, you had to be like a mini electrical engineer and like those guys that run around with the crystal sets and ham radio and everything. <laughs> no, let's do a homemade physics lab. But if you waited, waited a little bit, the computer technology was so fantastic. So then it was was possible when I did buy the equipment off the shelf and then begin customization rather than setting up my own little physics laboratory. We've talked about gene therapy. 
therapy and sort of in a way it's, it's on the near horizon. But, the, you know, we've spoken to uh, some of your colleagues who are actually work in, in this area right now with um, gene editing, if you like, and stuff like that. So it, it is here, isn't it? I mean, it's it's kind of in a sense no longer, uh, you know, on the horizon. Oh, it's here. We have Australian mm. patients who have received gene therapy for their IRD. And it's been great talking to you. Uh, time goes so quickly when we speak to uh, our guests from Sarah and uh, they uh, they explain things so well and also sort of, in a sense, uh, peel back the onion and there's so many more layers. Thank you for sparing just a little bit of time this, this evening. Uh, hopefully we can uh, continue to follow your progress. Thanks for uh, sharing that interesting information about that survey. And People can actually get more information about the survey from your website. What we'll do is actually put that link up on our uh, Facebook page when we put information up about this particular interview and this show, and people can follow that link and you get some more information. But it's been a delight speaking to you uh, this evening. Uh, we wish you well, and uh, thanks for your time, and hopefully we can speak to you again in the future. Oh, thank you so much for having me and listening to my my journey. Yes, well, it's, uh, it's much longer than that, but uh, the clock's beating us. So I hope another time we can uh, maybe do Chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. That's Associate Professor Heather Mack from the Centre for Eye Research talking to us about uh, some very interesting research and uh, survey regarding inherited retinal disease, IRD. That is it for the program. If you've missed some of them, maybe you'd like to hear it again. You can search for Vision Extra on the iTunes Store, on Spotify or your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Visit varadio.org for more. Vision Australia Radio. Blindness. Low vision. Opportunity.